name is Ronnie Grayer, and this is the Monthly Safety Podcast for May and June of 2012. First, a little bit about me. I've been a Greyhound driver now for the past 21 years, been a driver instructor for the past seven, and I currently drive out of Syracuse, New York. For those of you that are listening for the first time, welcome to the podcast. I encourage you to listen to and download previous episodes, and I'll give you that information at the end of the podcast. A lot going on this month. I'm going to go ahead and get right to it. The first thing I want to mention is the CVSA, Commercial Vehicle Safety Alliance, uh, Road Check 2012, which is a 72-hour blitz scheduled for June 5th, 6th, and 7th of 2012. That obviously has come and gone. I'm recording this on Friday, June 8th, 2012. But it's a good thing to mention and talk about a little bit. Um, You know, just because they have these blitzes doesn't mean that there aren't other times when there is increased enforcement out on the road. There's a lot of things going on right now in the bus industry, and commercial drivers in general are affected, and the FMCSA is out in full force, and we'll talk about that in depth in just a little bit. But some things to keep in mind for our drivers. Uh, Always come to work prepared and ready and rested. And some of the things that you need to do, make sure that your license is up to date with the proper endorsements. Your log is up to your last change of duty status. This is very important. And also be sure to carry your last seven days logs with you. This is particularly a problem during the first seven days of the month. We've seen some of our drivers come to work and not have their previous month's book with them. And uh, in that case, in some cases, the DOT has actually pulled that driver from service until those logs can be furnished. So please make sure that you have your previous seven days logs with you. And it's a good idea, and it's always been Greyhound's policy to carry your previous month's book with you. should always have the current month and the prior month. And also ensure that you complete a proper pre- and post-trip inspection and that you complete your M7 completely. This is very important required by law. So make sure that you do all those things. Now I want to switch gears and talk about some of the things that are in the news, beginning with an item that was in many different uh, publications. I'm going to read from Bloomberg Business Week. And the headline reads, 26 Chinatown bus companies shut down by feds. And this was dated May 31st of 2012. The U.S. DOT shut down 26 bus companies as imminent safety hazards, closing dozens of routes out of New York's Chinatown in the government's largest safety sweep of the motor coach industry. The enforcement action primarily targeted three popular Chinatown operations in New York and Philadelphia, Apex Bus Incorporated, I-95 Coach Inc., and New Century Travel Inc., The government ordered 10 individual bus company owners, managers, and employees to cease all passenger transportation business, including selling tickets according to a transportation department statement. Quote, the egregious acts of these carriers put the unsuspecting public at risk, and they must be moved, removed from our highways immediately, Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration Chief Ann Farrow said in the statement. We are putting every unsafe bus and truck company on notice to follow the safety laws or be shut down. Curbside bus operators, which typically sell tickets online and pick up and discharge passengers on the sidewalk, have attracted increased federal scrutiny. The NTSB reported in October that this type of company had a fatal crash rate seven times higher than terminal-based operations. The three primary targets controlled the network of other companies, leading to the 26 separate shutdown orders, the department said. The company's networks included one ticket seller, nine active bus companies, three companies already out of service that were continuing to operate, and three companies applying for permission to operate. The department's actions cover companies operating in New York, Pennsylvania, North Carolina, Georgia, Maryland, and Indiana. 
Besides New York and Philadelphia, there are affected routes in Washington, Atlanta, Richmond, Virgi uh, Richmond, Virginia, excuse me, Charlotte, North Carolina, Orlando, Florida, and more than 20 other locations, according to a, a Transportation Department fact sheet. The carriers involved had multiple safety violations, including drivers without valid commercial licenses and drivers violating federal driving time limits, failure to test for drugs and alcohol, and vehicles that hadn't been regularly inspected or repaired. Transportation Department officials handed out summaries of their shutdown orders to company officials in both English and Chinese. Passengers received notice advising them to follow instructions from law enforcement officers and providing directions on how to apply for refunds. The notices were printed in English, Chinese, Korean, Vietnamese, and Spanish. Quote, the U.S. Department of Transportation's Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration is placing this bus out of service, the passenger notice says. We understand this is an inconvenience, but your safety is our top priority. The bus crackdown follows a year-long investigation that began shortly after a series of fatal crashes last year, the Depa Transportation Department said. The FMCSA shut down some companies last summer. Follow-up investigations found safety problems with other carriers operating on the Interstate 95 corridor, and agency investigators worked to establish links between bus networks. Fatal crashes surged last year as intercity bus travel became the fastest-growing U.S. mode of commercial transportation. In 2011, at least 28 people died in fatal crashes, including three in an 11-week period involving carriers operating out of or carrying passengers between Chinatown neighborhoods in East Coast cities. The NTSB, in a separate investigation of the March 12, 2011 crash that killed 15 people in the Bronx, found that the driver had been hired even though his license had been suspended 18 times and he'd been fired from two previous transportation jobs, according to documents released earlier in the month. The board is holding a hearing to discuss its investigation of that crash June 5th. I'll talk about that in just a little bit. Um, but I do want to go on to finish this story. Uh, the FMCSA, which regulates the truck and bus industries, doesn't have enough people to do adequate oversight, the NTSB said in its October report. The 878 FMCSA and state inspectors are responsible for 765,000 motor carriers, a ratio of 1.15 investigators for every 1,000 companies, it said. Quote, if you put our passengers at risk, we will shut you down, Transportation Secretary Ray LaHood said. Safety is and will always be our highest priority. So that's a little bit about what's going on with the curbside bus industry. Uh, after a long, protracted investigation, uh, they finally took some action and shut a bunch, bunch of companies down, which is a good thing. Now, to follow up on the crash on Interstate 95 just outside the uh, Bronx, just on the Westchester County line that happened uh, in March 2011, I'm going to read from WNYC, and the headline reads, Driver Fatigue Caused Deadly Bronx Bus Crash. According to the NTSB, a unanimous vote Tuesday said the bus company Worldwide Tours of Greater New York was also to blame for not providing adequate safety oversight of the driver. On March 12, 2011, a bus returning to New York's Chinatown from an overnight trip to a Connecticut casino crashed into the support pole for a highway sign. The pole knifed through the bus, front to back, along the window line, peeling the roof off all the way to the back tires. Investigators have said the bus was speeding. The driver was an MTA bus driver for a brief time in 2007. On his job application with the MTA, he admitted his license had been suspended from 1996 to 2003 because of, quote, child support. He also wrote, quote, I made a couple of mistakes in my life. That did not stop the MTA from hiring him, but then a background check revealed 
that he had failed to disclose a pair of felony convictions and he was terminated after two weeks on the job. The MTA said that he never got behind the wheel of a bus with passengers. A preliminary report said Williams was speeding at 78 miles per hour shortly before he lost control of the bus, which struck a highway signpost. The speed limit in that area is actually 50 miles per hour. Toxicology report uh, cleared him of drug use and a breath test he took at the scene of the accident showed that he had not been drinking. This was a very unfortunate accident that didn't have to happen, but uh, it did bring a whole bunch of attention onto the bus business in general and um, there's still lots of scrutiny um, as a result of that. I want to go on and talk about um, an incident that's been going on for a while and that is the uh, megabus crash in Syracuse in September of 2011 where a, I've talked about this before, a 13 foot 2 high megabus uh, collided with a 10 foot 9 bridge resulting in uh, four people dying on that bus and uh, several injuries and all kinds of litigation and we've talked about this on the podcast but the reason that I bring it up is because unfortunately last month in May of 2012 one of our Greyhound drivers nearly struck this bridge and I'm going to read from the Syracuse newspaper and then we'll talk about it. Uh, this is dated uh, May 17th. Drivers along Onondaga Lake Parkway tried to stop a Greyhound bus as it rapidly approached the low bridge Thursday morning. It's been a little more than six months after a new overheight detection system was installed and activated. The bus driver was apparently oblivious to the warning signs and flashing lights and came dangerously close to crashing into the bridge before a couple of quick-thinking drivers kept the bus trip from turning tragic. Uh, Andy Clement and his dad were on their way to work, traveling their usual route down the parkway when they noticed a bus following them on the road and continuing past the detectors and flashing signs. We proceeded to slow down and wave him, then tried to get him to stop, and he kind of looked at us like he didn't know what was going on. Finally, he looked at the bridge and realized and started to slow down and pull over. The state DOT says the overheight detector did go off just before 6 a.m. and immediately sent an alert to the command center. They quickly took cameras fixed on the parkway and saw a Greyhound bus headed dangerously down the road toward the low bridge. When the bus finally stopped, it was just shy of the message board sign right before the bridge. And I should say, and it's not in the story, that this is less than 500 feet from that bridge, and this is after a whole host of signs. This is a terrible thing that should not have happened, but fortunately there were no injuries, and it's just a question of a driver being way off route. Um, and I'll go on and read Greyhound's response to that. Greyhound released the following statement in regard to the incident. On Thursday, May 17th, a Greyhound bus traveling from Buffalo, New York, was not operating down the appropriate route as determined by Greyhound to its final destination of New York City. At this time, Greyhound management is thoroughly investigating this incident to determine why this motor coach did not travel on the appropriate route. It is the company's top priority to provide safe travel services to its customers. We apologize for the delay this incident caused to our passengers. Now, this is something that... Um, you know, we've talked about before about sign reading. I don't know what caused this driver to be on that path because I can tell you that the road that he traveled on is not part of our route, never has been, and I don't know of any drivers that have used it before. And the only thing that we can think of, and this is just a, a guess on my part, is that the driver was using a GPS device of some sort, whether it was on his phone or some other device, um, and that is something that can get you into trouble, and that's what happened with the megabus driver that struck this bridge. And it's actually in the driver's rule book, uh, G13, that you're not supposed to install an electronic device in the bus. We should be reading signs. We should be reading our directions. 
And as a last resort, if you're not sure where you're going, if you get yourself off route, and I've talked about this before, you need to stop and try to either get your bearings or call someone because this uh, particular incident could have resulted in a terrible tragedy and fortunately uh, nothing like that happened. So before you depart, take a minute to go over your directions, go over your route guide, and if you're not sure, try to get with someone else and make sure that you know where you're going before you get on down the road. I wanted to talk for a minute about CSA 2010 as it continues to be a hot topic and with good cause. One of the things that we're starting to see now is law enforcement is pulling our drivers over for traveling over the posted speed limit, in some cases perhaps two or three miles over the limit. In the past that's not something that we've seen a whole lot of, however once the uh, law enforcement officer does pull one of our vehicles over, they can go ahead and perform a full inspection on the vehicle and the driver and that opens us up to all kinds of additional scrutiny. So the company is advising us, and correctly so, to be careful and observe all posted speed limits so that we don't make ourselves a target to law enforcement. So please, when you're out there, be careful, slow down, drive to the right, don't exceed the posted speed limit, and uh, you can avoid all kinds of unnecessary uh, inspections. Now, something I haven't talked about in quite a while, actually when the podcast first started, but it's come up again, is the proper routing when going into the Lincoln Tunnel in New York City. And many of our drivers from all over the country do use this uh, route. The Lincoln Tunnel is our primary route in and out of New York City from most destinations. And there is specific routing uh, posted for that, and there is a reason for it, and that is to keep us to the right. By following the correct route, you are always blocking your right side, keeping the traffic on your left, and you can minimize the chance of any type of collision, particularly a squeeze type or merging type of collision. We have seen a very high frequency of collisions in the approaches to the Lincoln Tunnel, both on the inbound and outbound sides, both in Manhattan and in Hoboken, New Jersey. So please be careful, follow the correct routing, always yield the right of way when there are unclear circumstances, always yield the right of way, rule S15 and follow the proper route for the Lincoln Tunnel. If you're not sure what the route is, please ask your manager. It's posted at most locations uh, close to the New York area, and this is something that continues to be a concern because uh, it is a high-risk area. Next, I'd like to read from the uh, safety bulletin from June of 2012 that talks about defensive driving, and it's entitled Defensive Driving Equals Safe Driving. Defensive driving is designed to heighten your awareness of everything happening around you while you're driving. If you practice defensive driving habits early and realize that every time you get in a bus there is risk involved, you increase your chances that you won't be involved in a collision. Remember to always do the following to ensure you have a safe trip every time. Check your mirrors every five to eight seconds. Always be aware of what is on your right, your left, and behind you. Check the road ahead, what is on the horizon, what is happening in front of the car ahead of you. Learn to make eye-to-eye contact with drivers and pedestrians. That way you know they see you. Look at the front wheels of cars parked on the side of the road. If you see a car with wheels turned to the left, wait to see if it is going to suddenly pull out. Get into this habit. Before you turn the key, fasten your seatbelt. Why is it important to look left, then right, and then left again before turning? You look left first because that is the lane with the most immediate threat. The left lane is the closest to you. Next, look right, as that is the lane you are turning into. 
When there is no traffic approaching from the right, you are almost ready to proceed. And now you look left again because that is the lane with the most immediate threat and traffic may have changed while you were looking to the right. If it is clear, you may proceed. As you commit to entering the road, you now check to your right again as you begin your turn or crossing. Always follow your professional driver training and remember defensive driving is the best way of arriving alive. Always have a safe trip every time. I'd like to remind everyone about keeping a safe following distance before I close out the podcast. We all know that the minimum safe following distance with Greyhound was revised in the early part of 2010 from five seconds to six seconds. And again, this is a minimum under good conditions with good weather and light traffic, obviously. You generally think of safe following distance as a way to avoid hitting the vehicle ahead. But a safe following distance can also prevent merging, passing, off the road, and being struck from behind accidents. For this reason, keeping a safe following distance is the key defensive driving guideline. If he stops, can you is the message on the poster. It's easy to develop a poor following distance habit. A quick reminder, the safe following defensive driving guideline is a six second minimum following distance is our policy. With safe following distance, you have time to react, brake, and change direction should a problem develop ahead. A safe following distance can also quickly become a habit. It's a matter of always making sure you have a safe following distance until it becomes a part of your normal driving pattern. Remember, not all of the other cars will jump in front of you because the space is there. Start today to make six seconds a habit and keep your distance. And that comes from the safety department from Al Smith, the uh, corporate director of safety. And that's something that's really important. If we keep a, a space cushion around our bus at all times, as the Smith system tells us, particularly maintaining at least a six-second following distance from the vehicle in front of us. We can make gradual changes as opposed to abrupt ones. We can have a more relaxed ride, a smoother ride for our passengers, a less stressful ride for ourselves, and we can pretty much ensure a safe and pleasant trip. So always keep that space in front of you. Instead of saying it can't be done, go ahead and do it. Have a can-do attitude. That's about all I have uh, for this month for the podcast. If you have any suggestions, comments, concerns, please feel free to send me email at ronnie, R-O-N-N-I-E, 13211, at gmail.com. If you'd like to listen to previous episodes or download any episodes of the podcast, the easiest way to do that is to either send me email or go to my Facebook page at uh, Ronnie Greer. You can search me out on Facebook. That's G-R-E-H-E-R. I'll be glad to send you the links. Everyone have a safe and pleasant trip. Have a wonderful summer, and we'll see you back here in July.